This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 54, where we return to the 50s and Agent Carter with season 2, episode 8, The Edge of Mystery. Welcome back, Defenders. As I've said, we're returning to the 50s with Agent Carter. We've been covering Daredevil uh, on our main feed for the last uh, couple of episodes. We're now back with Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 8, The Edge of Mystery. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello, and I'm one of your hosts, John. Yeah. Good to be back in the 50s. Absolutely. If you are listening to our Daredevil coverage, you may have noticed that uh, one of our hosts, Chris, is uh, currently um, kind of in the air at the moment, flying back from LA. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get uh, trapped in a zero matter hole and dragged off under the universe. I think some of our listeners may be thinking that has happened to him. <laughs> we have been saying he will be back next time, but uh-huh. uh, unfortunately things just uh, haven't worked out in terms of scheduling at this moment. But if you're looking for a slightly different change of pace, and in fact a, a slightly different change in themes... Agent Carter is at one of the other ends of the Marvel spectrum. Definitely. I mean, brilliant show, but very different from Daredevil that we're covering as well at this moment in time with this little crossover that we've got. Um, and both shows really, really good, really, really, really top quality. Um, and providing the viewer with very different themes, very different characters. Um, and for me, it shows a really healthy sign at Marvel, really, that they are putting these different programs out with such um, good standards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very different corners of the Marvel Universe, but uh, but all connected in some senses. I think even um, Peggy was called a devil in this episode. That's slightly connected to Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, if, you know, you then want to move back into the more violent Hell's Kitchen, well, then we will have our Daredevil episode three podcast out by thursday yeah yeah Uh, and if you want to subscribe to the podcast to get all of our episodes about daredevil about agent carter obviously about the upcoming jessica jones season two luke cage season one and eventually leading to iron fist the defenders absolutely all leading to the fabulous post-credit scene in civil war where we do get to see um dr strange and ultimately the october release of dr strange (laughs) uh, for people on this side of the atlantic in Mm -hmm. the uk and in ireland yeah yeah absolutely Uh, if you are not an itunes listener if you're not an apple user or an and you are an android user you can catch all of our episodes on any good podcast catcher just search for defenders tv podcast we should pop up there, subscribe to the podcast, have an old listen, and uh, you should be hearing all of our episodes as they're released. And of course, um, it would be remiss of us not to say that if you have any comments, discussion points, or feedback on any of the episodes of Agent Carter, any of the episodes of uh, Daredevil Season 2, any Marvel news at all, you can join ourselves and other uh, listeners on our Facebook page and join our group. Just search Defenders TV podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at Defenders Cast, where we will tweet randomly about Daredevil as we see another shocking fight scene between the Punisher and Daredevil, <laughs> or where we tweet live um, the episodes of Agent Carter 
every Thursday at 9pm on Fox UK TV. Yeah, absolutely. I've been able to make a little bit of a change to the Facebook groups. You're able to find it a bit easier by just going to facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast. You'll be able to find it much easier, hopefully, and come join the chat over there. Uh, I think it's time to kick into this week's episode, John. Absolutely. Yeah. So this episode, as I said, is The Edge of Mystery. Episode 8 of Season 2 of Agent Carter. Uh, this episode, again, was directed by Metin Hussein. Um, Metin got in contact with us over on uh, over on Twitter and says, uh, Hey, Defenders cast, thanks for your smart and considered views on Agent Carter. I learned a few things listening to you go in deep on the show. Uh, he says, The makers of Agent Carter are a reflection of the show. Heart, humour, balls and brains. Hopefully they get to do it again. Couldn't agree with you more on those sentiments. Fantastic, fantastic show. Absolutely, yeah, and it would be great if the show got renewed for a third season. Uh, really nice of you to get in contact with us, Matt, and thank you very much for that. Absolutely, thank you so much. Uh, this episode was also written by Brant Engelstein, uh, one of the main writers for Agent Carter, definitely one of the main members of the writer's room. Uh, he wrote the Blitzkrieg button in season one and also wrote the season opener for this uh, season of Agent Carter, uh, The Lady in the Lake. Uh, seems like a long time ago now. It's, uh, it's about eight weeks ago now since, uh, since that episode aired, but... Um, John, do you want to tell us what Brank gave us in this episode? Sure. An anxious Jarvis is soon put at ease as Anna survives surgery and begins to recover from her gunshot wound. However, Jarvis's relief soon turns to anger and vengeance as the doctors inform him that Anna can no longer have children as a result of her injuries. This puts Jarvis on a collision course with Whitney Frost, as Peggy and Sousa propose a trade with Frost, the uranium rod stolen from Roxon, for a one Dr. Jason Wilkes. As the exchange goes down, little do both sides know that all is not what it seems. As Carter hands over fake radioactive rods, so Whitney gives the SSR a changed Jason Wilkes, who has now accepted the importance of zero matter to his life and corporeal state. As Sousa reveals the location of the real uranium to Wilkes, the race begins to stop Whitney Frost from opening the rift. At the Isodyne Energy test site, and with some help from Howard Stark, Dr. Aloysius Herbert Sambley, and a Gamma Cannon. Carter and Sousa join Thompson, along with a revenge-seeking Jarvis, to stop the rift from taking Wilkes to the other side. However, as the rift closes, spitting out Wilkes, the consequences of the fissure and the ramifications of Zero Matter all come to a head in the desert outside L.A. Well done, John, for remembering Dr. Sambley's middle name. Well done. <laughs> good catch there. <laughs> yeah, another really good episode here. Lo- loads going on again. Um, we're, we're really cracking tr- through to the end of, uh, of Agent Carter here. Only two more episodes to go after this one. So, um, loads going on. Uh, if this is your first time joining us for an Agent Carter episode, uh, or for any of our episodes, the way we discuss our shows is we talk about our top five points that we've pulled out of the episode. Some good, some bad, some with some Easter eggs potentially for other Marvel properties. Um, and hopefully we get to cover the entire episode throughout our show. Uh, with that thought, John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? Yeah, I'm going to kick off with Aloysius Herbert Sambly. Mm. I know his middle name, but uh, Chief Sousa doesn't, and Sambly does take a little bit of um, affront at this, and Peggy does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 
Susan has this great line where he goes, well, who knows people's middle name? And Peggy just comes back to him. His middle name's Herbert. Yeah. Um, so really nice. But I think more than that, I, I like this kind of little sort of tip for tat that goes on between Sousa and Sambly um, over the course of this season so far. But I think even more so with the gamma cannon that's brought in to close up this rift, um, some of the, the chit-chat of Sambly with uh, Thompson and with Sousa in the desert was really, really good. I love the comment that he makes where he goes, you are asking me to judge whether something I've never fired miraculously hits something I never knew existed. Um, <laughs> just, you know, everyone thinks that he knows everything because he's a scientist mm-hmm. and he's like, I didn't know that this black goo, this rift forming in the atmosphere over the desert um, even existed. And this gamma cannon, he's helped build uh, at the instructions of Howard Stark, who who faxed them over, or some kind of uh, telex. telex, yeah, Yeah. teleprompter from those football (laughs) days or something. It's Uh, a telex machine, yes. Yeah, exactly. An old-style fax machine. And people don't know what fax machines are nowadays, so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I really like that. And then as they fire the gamma cannon, you know, you have him saying safety first boys as they kind of put on like sunglasses. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think Sambly has got goggles, but basically Susan and Thompson put on uh, sunglasses and it's just, it's just a really good interaction. You have Thompson kind of going to Susan. Did you hire this guy? And he's like, yeah, no, I did. Like he's kind of tr- starting to regret it. Yeah. Um, but we also do have some nice interactions with uh, Aloysius and Rose as well in this episode yeah. where you, you have him going into the fray in the desert where, you know, he's about to engage with uh, Frost, Wilkes, Vernon Masters is there, Manfredi is also there and his mm-hmm. goons. Uh, and he's trying to kind of say, you know, I might not return. <laughs> uh, and he's making himself out as the big Arnold Schwarzenegger hero uh, to the point that, you know, Am I making this sound um dangerous enough? And he, he goes to put his hand to caress the cheek of Rose, who promptly removes it and, and basically tells him to really You'll just, be fine. You'll be fine, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Get a grip and stop over-egging the, the pudding, so to speak. Uh, really, really good. Um, and, of course, actually, the person who then does come in is Edwin Jarvis, who really does say, if I don't come back from this, look after uh, my wife, Honor. So yeah. really um, a nice little bit of engagement, I think, here with um, Aloysius Sambly and, and all the other people connected with him, especially Rose. Um, that that moment in the SSR uh, headquarters in LA was just a really fun uh, little bit. You know, Rose, again, just being exasperated at the attention that he's giving her, mm-hmm. and she really doesn't want it. Absolutely, yeah. I think Samberley was very heavily needed in this episode because you kind of lost Jarvis's sense of humour in this episode. There's a lot of serious stuff going on for that character, so kind of good to have Samberley here. Uh, but what I wanted to pull out from these scenes with Samberley is a little bit of a possible Marvel Easter egg there. Um, the fact that Samberley using a cannon in the desert, a gamma cannon, in fact, uh, gamma radiation is what created the Hulk, 
Uh, there is a Dr. Sampson, a very famous character in the Marvel comic books, also created by Gamma Radiation in the desert. So I was just kind of wondering, is Samberly just a ah, slightly absolutely. different name from Sampson? And is this Gamma Cannon going to explode when he's the only one close to it? Is he going to get a bit of a bit of hulkness to him? Um, which I thought would have been quite interesting. But uh, but no, it doesn't happen. Not like I wanted to say goodbye to Dr. Samberly, obviously. But uh, I was wondering if they would have used that little twist. Yeah, it might just give him a few guns that, um, you know, he can flex in front of Rose. Um, <laughs> I don't think you know, anything he would do would be able to get Rose on side. It's his personality, I think, that she isn't hugely up on, to be honest. No, exactly. And maybe she just really wants him to rip his pants off. Like the Hulk does when he when he transforms. <laughs> You'd have to get a pair of purple. Maybe pants, that's the that, maybe that's the superpower is that he does flex and and the pants rip like the Hulk. <laughs> maybe, but maybe. he doesn't go green. Maybe. <laughs> and Rose might dig that. I have a feeling it'd be more like he bent over and his pants ripped. Uh, embarrassingly, it would be more <laughs> more likely to what happens to Doctor Samberly. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that was also one of my points. I really did enjoy the interaction with Samberly and uh, and Susan. This episode, there's a great moment where Susan keeps asking him, "Are you?" able to do this and he goes why are you asking me am i able to do this you know i'm you know i'm able to do it and then he says it to him susan asks him again are you able to do this and samberly gives him a look and susan goes you've got one more chance and <laughs> just kind of kind of <laughs> saying to him i'm so annoyed at you and you've got to remember that the last mission they went on samberly had to be talked into doing the final fix or the final uh, saving of jarvis so he's not but not proven to be infallible here you know he is a scientist and he is the only scientist they have but he's not infallible he's not he's not the perfect scientist he's not uh, howard stark or or wilkes or frost you know he is the scientist they have in the ssr and he's very overconfident um especially after that last mission where while he did win at the end of the day he didn't win uh purely on his own merit he had to be talked back into doing that mission so um so understandable that says would be quite fr- frustrated with him uh, and making sure and checking and making sure he's getting it right but but he does bring the deductive method of science into agent carter yes, with I've only just seen this. I can't tell you anything about mm-hmm. it. I haven't experimented, observed it. Um, I have no idea what I can tell you here. Like, so really good. Like, because that's very different from the Wilkes and that. Yes, you see their theory and their equations, but mm-hmm. they're very much like they know there's a belief behind their, um, their knowledge because, of course, um, of that noise that's, um, permeating into uh, their heads. Absolutely, which leads me on very well to my point uh, about Whitney Frost and Jason Wilkes sciencing the heck out of it uh, in this episode. I like the fact that the two of them are coming together as physicists and working together to discover what they could do with Zero Matter to work work better together. Um, obviously, Whitney Frost has much more control over the Zero Matter. She's now discovered that she's able to solidify Jason Wilkes by uh, by just touching him and sharing some more of her Zero Matter with him and that he's, he's not in any kind of control of when he phases in and out. So it's uh, a really good investigation really good science stuff going on in the SSR uh, and in Agent Carter this season. I kind of feel that the theme tune needs to change from the kind of inspirational uh, warlike music to much more of a Doctor Who type uh, type science fiction uh, music <laughs> for this uh, for this series. Um but really good to see the two of these guys working together even though they're both turning quite evil uh, towards our main protagonists, but it's kind of nice to see uh, them using science against the SSR. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I like the idea that Whitney really proposes that they work together. She's there studying him and she's essentially got it down that, you know, he's just going to phase out. And 
to begin with, Wilkes is very much, um, well, just, I don't want to be here anymore. And gradually she really starts to persuade him that, you know, if he can, if he can control it, if he can really hone his concentration, that it won't be much of an issue for him. He can become like her, solid all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't need that machine. Like, I think she does a really kind of, sort of aggressive kind of bitter remark as he's being rescued by Peggy where she goes go on it won't be soon until you're back in inside your contraption or your machine um you know and I love the fact that actually he does obviously from what we see um start to listen to her I mean I've got to be careful here because otherwise I'll be taking so many of my points that I've got and um, but you know one of those really is this you know the double double cross that occurs mm-hmm. we have uh, Peggy and Sousa fake the uranium rods. Um, but ultimately what we find is that Whitney has persuaded. Um, I don't think so much that he's converted to her way of thinking, but she certainly persuaded him that for him to live, to survive, he has to follow her and that they have to learn about zero matter. Yeah. And I think we really get that gist uh, later on where he says to Whitney, um, you know, have I done this all for nothing? You know, I've betrayed the people who I care about. Mm. And if this doesn't work, this is all for nothing. You know, so I think more uh, Wilkes is persuaded to go to these extremes in betraying and double crossing and Sousa and Peggy Carter uh, because he wants to get his life back. I think that's his motivation at the moment. And certainly you can see the betrayal on Peggy Carter uh, in her face, whether she's able to come back from that with Jason Wilkes, that they've got any future together. I don't know. She might forgive him, but certainly she might not be able to be intimate with him like the kiss in the last episode maybe suggested. Yeah. And so, it was a really interesting thing, that double cross and just how Whitney managed to get um, inside uh, of Jason's mind to really persuade him. And I think it comes then with this voice, this notion of the voice within her head. Mm-hmm. Um, because she, to begin with, she does feel like she is going to lose uh, Wilkes, that he's not going to come on board with her idea. But she says... If nothing else, can I ask you one question, which is, do you hear the voice? You know, or am I going completely crazy? Exactly. But he says nothing. And all the way through then this episode, sort of when they're detonating the nuclear bomb in, in the desert, and he's like, how will you, how do you know that this is going to work? And she goes, the whisper, the whisper in your head says it will. It suddenly moves that he is hearing this voice as well. And then in a, strange like twist the person who did hear the voice no longer hears this and it's only Wilkes who can Mm -hmm. hear the calling from the other side of the the rift formed uh, above the desert really really good I love that kind of change between Whitney and Wilkes throughout the whole of this yeah Um, and all coming from um, you know this this double cross is persuasion of Wilkes by Whitney to to double cross and betray his friends and 
the people he cares about. Yeah, absolutely. You weren't wrong, were you? You're taking lots of your points. Yeah, into now one I've got about. I think about three of my points came into that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of one of the ones I'll call out from uh, from my own points was the reaction of Susan and Peggy to the change in Wilkes. It is kind of a shocking scene when Wilkes takes the shotgun to the two of them. It is quite surprising that he would turn on them like that. You know, he's he's been shown to have uh, really strong feelings for Peggy in the past. But I like the reaction of Susan versus Peggy's reaction. Peggy says, "Well, you don't know him like." I know him. He'd never do this. This is the zero matter getting into his brain and controlling him and telling him what to do. And Susan, on the other hand, says, this is desperation. This has nothing to do with the zero matter. Do you know what I'd do to be able to walk again? I can understand. I can empathize with Wilkes and what he's doing, but it's nothing to do with zero matter. You've now lost the person you you knew and the person you loved to um, desperation. You know, I like that reaction between the two of them and kind of those two different sides of what's happening. Absolutely. It's not necessarily an effect of this foreign body within the body of Wilkes. It actually could just be simply that he just doesn't want to die and he'll do anything to live. Definitely. I, I think uh, as well, I was wondering, you know, was this betrayal by by Wilkes? What was this desperation? Was it mapped out by him and Whitney? Because it's the fact that as soon as he's been told where um where the uranium rods are, he defazes yeah. and jumps out the side of the van, which I really loved leaving the, the the shotgun in inside the van. Or that he has enough control now of his phasing in and out of a solid state that he's able to just switch it on. Yeah. So that was really, really interesting as well. Because cool, he, yeah. you know he's learnt maybe how to control these abilities that Whitney Frost was able to previously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very much could have been just working together with Whitney. The two of them have learned some extra abilities for um for Wilkes, yeah. So Derek, what's your next point? Yeah, let's get back on the uh, on the points trail here. Um yeah, one of the biggest moments in the episode really is uh, is Jarvis and Anna or the most the biggest relationship in the episode really is Jarvis and Anna. Um some really heartbreaking scenes here. I loved that the initial opening of the episode is a flashback to the other side of the conversation from episode 1, isn't it? Um, yeah. Of of Agent Carter from season 1, which had Jarvis talking Peggy through how to defuse a bomb in the first episode. Uh, but now we see Anna's side where she has heard the conversation. She does know that Jarvis is involved with this Peggy Carter uh, lady. Um, I love her reaction when she believes that it's Howard. It's just one of... I love her reaction when she believes it's just another one of Howard's women. Uh, effectively, oh, a woman connected to Howard Stark, oh, whatever. And Jarvis tells her, no, this woman's different. And from that point onwards, you can see that that's the relationship developing between Anna and Peggy, just even though they've never met, you know, thought that was quite interesting. Uh, and then you have this kind of repeated theme of Anna saying, don't make promises you can't keep to Jarvis. Um, because of effectively in Jarvis's head, the reason why he seems to be remembering this is he told her he was going to get, going to get away safe and clear from, uh, this attack on Whitney Frost in last episode. And in fact, it turned out that Anna got uh, got injured in it, you know, so yeah. he couldn't protect her. Um, love these scenes, really sad, really, um, really difficult to watch Jarvis being the former kind of clown, really, for some of the episodes, as we'd mentioned before, uh, going through this really painful time with his wife and very, very well handled, very, very seriously done. I love the moment as Anna wakes up and she does play another playful little joke on her husband, which she tends to do, you know, um, where he says, you know, he promises to get her a dog. And then she says he she wakes up after a few more promises saying, well, I was awake. I heard about the dog, but I wanted to see what more I could get from you. <laughs> you know, nice little playful part of the relationship. Really enjoyed that. But she repeats the, the line again. Don't make promises you can't keep. The same line that was in the flashback to the whole nitramine conversation between him and, and Peggy. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, 
where he says that Miss Carter won't interfere in our life in the least. You know, this idea that maybe they're settling down. They've had a lot of um adventure in their lives. The fact that she was rescued from Nazi Europe, you know, so really, really um interesting kind of play yeah. on that theme and that um inference are really that don't make the promises you can't keep yeah absolutely and it does make you wonder whether there were planning to have children at that time and now this move off for jarvis to become the action adventurer that he is has kind of been has interfered in their in their lives um going forward which also leads to the other quite emotional moment in the episode where jarvis is told that um him and alan no, no longer can have children because of the gunshot going through her stomach um it's a very sad moment for for the two of them and you can see the reaction that it provokes in Jarvis is that he's not even going to tell Anna that this is what's happened to her. Uh, he's going to go off and take it out on um, Whitney Frost. He's going to kill her. Uh, no matter what anybody has to say and no matter what anybody does, he's going to go and kill Whitney Frost for what he's done for, to his wife. Uh, and he's going to go on a suicide mission, regardless of the fact that he said he will protect her. His version of protecting her is taking out Whitney Frost and maybe dying in the process. Um Absolutely. Yeah. Like, this is really, we see, um, Jarvis go AWOL in the deserts. You know, Peggy is pleading with him to come back. He's on a mission to, to kill, to rid the world of Whitney Frost. And he does it. I mean, mm-hmm. he actually does, he pulls the trigger and he follows through with his threat. Um, Peggy can't stop him. Um, yet he adds another bullet just to make sure. Mm-hmm. Of course, the zero matter undoes all of his, his work. Um, but you know, he goes off. Um, absolutely on his own, off mission to kill her. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's, it's kind of one of my points as well throughout the whole of this episode. Um, I think I had it down as the ever changing faces of Mr. Edwin Jarvis. It's this idea that we see him at the start, you know, being concerned and distraught over, um, his wife in bed, um, still unconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, she's gone through major surgery and that kind of uh, emotion of hanging on the balance of, of maybe losing someone or not. And, and that moves to absolutely pure joy and happiness. And, and he's ecstatic about the fact that she's woken up and so on. And that, you know, he's thanking Peggy for all her support. And he's really overjoyed with uh, her coming round uh, and seemingly um, better. Uh, yeah. The surgery is a success, only to then be told um, that they can't have children. And, and that, um, that, that relief um, from the anxiety of her being unwell, that joy of seeing her come around, sort of being just taken, plucked away from from him, uh, but both of them, um, to this angry, vengeful um, Jarvis seeking to to get his vengeance for um, the the shot to to his wife Honor yeah. by Whitney Frost. I mean, it was really, really good. And as you say, you know. I think we even said it ourselves, you know, hopefully Jarvis wouldn't become too jokey, too clowny, because he very much was at the start. Well, I mean, I think we've got our answer to the question, which is, like, he's showing a huge range um, just in this uh, episode. And I think uh, the last episode I, I talked about how, you know, the comedy and tragedy move hand in hand. Here we have, um, you know, one of the characters that brings a lightness and a humor to, to the, the show really again being pulled into, um, the tragedy of, of what's happened to his wife. So this is a really good character development and a look into someone's character 
in these circumstances, which I really, really thought was excellent. Definitely, definitely. Um, one other thing it does bring up, and kind of a side point, really, is Whitney Frost unkillable now. Quite interesting. She's taken two shots to the to the chest uh, from a bullet from the gun, uh, and the the zero matter seems to have either absorbed them or spit them out effectively. Uh, she's alive very quickly after those two shots, which should have taken her out. Um, it's interesting. Is is Whitney now unkillable? It would seem so, at least from bullets. Mm -hmm. It looks like it could be that gamma cannon that could be one of the few things that can actually control um, this zero matter and its fissure-forming abilities. Mm -hmm. Very good, John. (laughs) So where are you in points, John? Do you want to give us the next point? Yeah, my next point is the reaction of Whitney Frost um, to seeing... Wilkes be, I suppose, chosen, for want of a better word, by the rift. Mm. I hinted at it with regards to the voices in the head that all of a sudden uh, it, it's Jason Wilkes who's saying, can you hear it as the, the rift has formed um, and he starts lifting up into the sky, very mess- messianic in, in a way with his arms outstretched. Yeah. But Whitney says, I can't. There's this sudden realisation that she can't actually um, hear the voices of the whisper anymore coming from um, the the void. And I love her reaction for it. I love the fact that, you know, she says, what about me? Um, take me. It's supposed to be me. And it becomes increasingly shrill, yeah. desperate. Like she's put all this work into it to understand, to, to um, advance and and. and be able to control the power that this zero matter and uh, this dark matter provides and i think um like i love this kind of look of betrayal as well i mean we've had a few of these um in this episode one obviously being peggy seeing wilkes betray her now we almost see the the zero matter this this fissure this rift betraying whitney frost who's managed to recreate it mm-hmm. to get to that point and um, it's almost as though she hasn't done any of that work. And whatever is calling Wilkson for whatever reasons is absolutely unknown at this point. But I just loved this um, selfishness that comes out from Whitney. She's been denied all her life because of her um, her gender uh, by her mom, by the, the men that slept with her mom, um, you know, even to the point where she is having to pick Calvin Chadwick or Manfredi um, to to advance in society and she feels that this will allow her to break free from all of that and yet now at that moment the rift picks um, Jason Wilkes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not only that, she also had to go into acting rather than science because she was a woman, you know. Um, she's the she's the more intelligent one in her in her mind. She's the more powerful one because she's been able to control the zero matter. Uh, yes, it, yet it does seem to be Wilkes that's chosen here, and that is the big question: Why Wilkes? Why is it Wilkes that's chosen here? Um, is it because he turned on Peggy? Is it because he's uh, he's willing to do anything to keep alive in the in the mortal realm, and he's seen the other side of uh, what's happening in Zero Matter because he fades in and out. Uh, does he have a closer connection with the Zero Matter? Loads of questions from this episode. Loads that we can't answer until next week's episode, of course, because uh, we have we we don't know what exactly is going to happen. Um, but yeah, the reaction from Whitney Frost—it's almost funny in some in, in so 
some senses because it's a real, it comes across as a real petulant actress uh, shouting up, why me? Why me? It's supposed to be me. You know, yeah, it really, exactly. It really had that kind of, it, I was the chosen one, it's not It's so you. good. It's so good. So well delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, so heartfelt. Just so, it's anger, desperation, and just crescendoing to a shrill shriek. Um, yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, but despite all of that, she composes herself after being shot and realizes, you know, as the rift is shut, as Wilkes is lying in the, the hole, mm. uh, that in order to control Wilkes, she still needs to control Peggy uh, and the other people that Wilkes cares about, such as Jarvis. And so prevents Manfredi from actually just shooting, uh, Jarvis uh, and Peggy Carter. Yeah. 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 Uh, some really interesting stuff. Looking forward to, to next week's episode to hear more of that. But for my next point, I want to talk a little bit about Jack Thompson, uh, the return of Jack Thompson again uh, in this episode. And I suppose he's still working for Vernon Masters as the episode opens. He's still looking for this uh, way of discrediting Peggy Carter and the way of, you know, shutting her down and stopping her doing what um, what Vernon Masters doesn't want her to do, which is continue her investigation into Whitney, Whitney Frost. Uh, it's amazing how, I suppose, how long um, Jack Thompson has followed master's instructions even though he's had this connection with peggy carter he knows that she's a comfortable a comfortable and confident agent of the ssr but he doesn't trust her because she's not listening to his own uh, direction all the time and um, you know in this episode he flies over to london goes on a drinking spree with one of his old college buddies uh, to get more information on peggy carter um yeah, I mean, it's almost like he regressed, um, from the end of season one. Yeah. Um, to really forgetting, like just losing the memory of the, the time, uh, that they spent, I suppose, connecting in Russia at, at the secret base from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, you know, for me, that's the flaw with Jack Thompson. It's he knows what the reality is and he's choosing to put himself above others yeah you know so it's really um i feel like he's regressed um and that he needs that electric shock of 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 something to jolt him back to um the reality and to see the truth um and we certainly get that here the one other quick thing you, you mentioned about going back to london i thought this was another flashback actually right i didn't realize it was him having travelled over there to get this redacted file on, on Peggy Carter. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite interesting, wasn't it? It did it did seem that he kind of jetted back and forth very quickly uh, in this episode to get the file, really. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that he was still under the control of Vernon Masters. I'm wondering if that mind wiper may have may have wiped back a couple of months of uh, of his time. He didn't seem to know why he was in the SSR at all uh, when when uh, Peggy and and Sousa arrived. Said why he, why he was in the room, and he was like, I don't really know. Where were you last? I think I was over by the phone. Uh, so he hadn't remembered anything from uh, the last 20 or 30 minutes. But uh, but even with that, I like that Jack is back on board with the team to go after Vernon now that he realizes that he's been taken advantage of by Vernon Masters. Um, regardless of what everybody told him, it was the act of Vernon trying to break in and take out, take the... Um, the radioactive materials from the SSR safe and then wiping the mind of Jack Thompson. That's the act that made him realize, okay, this guy's obviously against me, regardless of what everybody that was around him was saying and was telling him over and over again. It had to be something big that happened to him directly from Vernon Masters. And I liked that moment with Jack Thompson when Sousa and, and Peggy are debating about leaving your heart involved in this, in this situation and letting somebody, uh, shoot 
the other one effectively. And Jack Thompson's comment is, well, I would have let anybody shoot both of you if it saved my life uh, effectively. So, um, you know, he's still the Jack Thompson that we love to hate, but, uh, but still an essential part of the SSR. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that moment where he comes in and says, you know, I'd let them, uh, blow both of you away, uh, with, <laughs> with a shotgun. Um, the love triangle comes to a head here between Sousa, Peggy and Wilkes. Um, the, the love triangle really comes to a head. Um, and I, I thought it was really well done because mm-hmm. we have that moment where the camera fixes on Peggy after Wilkes has betrayed her and he's jumped out of the van and, and you can see it's affected her. You really, really can. But that also, that whole situation in that van comes back as they go to head off to go and capture Whitney. Um, and Sousa basically just pulls Peggy back to say, you know, I just want to square out the mission here. You know, Wilkes is no longer a hostage. Um, he's a hostile or potentially so. Yeah. And that, you know, if anything happens, we need to be objective about this. And we can't let personal feelings interfere in the mission. You know, we have to be dispassionate. Um, and, I love the fact that um Peggy really kind of takes this um personally in her own way and says, Well, were you dispassionate in the van um when you gave up the the uranium rods and their location? You know, yeah. it's the reason why Whitney is running around uh, California uh, with these um with these atomic bombs and about to let them off because you weren't dispassionate you know uh, i said don't tell wilkes where it was but you did to save me were you Mm. dispassionate then were you thinking of the mission then uh what was it and the interesting thing that comes from that then is susa kind of makes the point well would you have given up the information if the roles were reversed in the back of the van Mm -hmm. and wilkes had the gun pointed at me and there's no answer there. Yeah. And, and then it's interrupted by, by Jack Thompson. But I yeah. mean, this is making everything really awkward. That whole situation that occurred in the van and now Sousa's own, um, sort of trying to just make the objectives of this mission clear and that Wilkes might need to be taken down. Mm. This soup of feelings and, and histories are all coming to knock in to one another and probably will affect the mission. Absolutely, yeah. It is. It is a great moment for uh, when your rival in love is possibly also the villain of the piece, and you can say we're probably going to have to kill him, right? Um, is that a good way to take out your rival? I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, that, that was also a, a bit of my point as well. Uh, my final point um, was also just about that uh, Peggy and Susan Susan situation, because the question that it does raise is: Can they now work together at all in the SSO, or can they go on missions together? Um, if this is going to be the reaction all the time, all you have to do is hold the gun at Peggy, and Susan will tell you whatever information you want. You know, uh, that's the kind of thing that would cross Peggy's mind. She is a career soldier, after all. Uh, she will, won't want to put anybody in that kind of perilous danger. Uh, she won't want to put herself in that situation where she's uh, endangering the mission by being there and all that needs to happen is a gun's pointed at someone, you know, uh, and they get the information. It's it's kind of, it, that goes against everything that Peggy stands for. So will this be the thing that breaks the relationship and makes them not be able to be together? Uh, or will she have to leave the SSR and him stay in the SSR or vice versa so that they can continue their relationship but is she in her own way able to do and carry out her own advice mm. i mean that is the thing that might end up being one of the big conundrums of one of the last two episodes is where 
a decision on maybe taking Wilkes out or um, the reversal of the situation in the van does happen and it's Sousa who is the one under threat with yeah. Peggy having to give information. Um, what will happen? How will that play out? It would be really good to see that situation develop over the course of the next two episodes to really see if uh, Peggy lives by uh, the words that she, she utters. Uh, because at this moment, it looks like to be a really difficult situation. Yeah. But of course, the other thing that makes it so big for Peggy, all this thing about staying on mission, not allowing uh, personal um, feelings compromise a mission or, or compromise anything about the mission is because of her, what happened with Steve Rogers. Mm -hmm. You know, it all comes back to that. She's afraid of making that mistake again, but she might very well have to if she ever wants to have a, a, another life that isn't simply dictated by the mission. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that will be really good about, um, about the next two episodes. I, I think we might see something along those lines uh, coming out of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is truth in that statement of don't date a co-worker, really, isn't there? Absolutely. Uh, so, John, do you want to give us your last point? Yeah, it's Wilkes's wibbly-wobbly face. Um, oh, yes, yeah, of course. Very Ward. Is Wilkes the new Ward? Um, from Or is Ward the new Wilkes? Um, thinking uh, ahead, we see... Um, after the gamma cannon has fired into the rift, it, you know, it, it's obliterated. It's gone, but Wilkes remains. He's not taken through to the other side. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting. Was that the plan of this rift was to pull him through or to do something else? Because his face looks like a plate of jelly all of a sudden wobbling around. It looks like it's got those kind of sluggy things, uh, moving across the surface of his face, like we saw in Agents of Shield with Grant Ward. Um, so this yeah. is, um, really interesting. What has happened to his face? Is it just that he's now permeated throughout with zero matter? Is it just simply that? Is, is he, is the surface of his skin sort of trying to replicate just how, how the zero matter when it was contained at isodyne energy, how that kind of rippled around? Is it just simply that? Or is it like something that happened with Grant Ward in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And what's going to be the result? Is he changed forever? Hmm. Is he now no longer um, the, the Jason Wilkes that we knew before this happened? Is he like Whitney Frost on steroids now with all of this? Or is this something completely different? You know, who has he become? Or is he still Jason Wilkes? Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, really looking forward to finding out. It was a great image being a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and seeing a very similar thing happen to uh, to Grant Ward uh, in the past. So it's quite, it is quite interesting. As I said earlier on, was he called there because maybe more of uh, Wilkes' body is has disappeared because he's able to phase in and out and that means that there's more space for all this zero matter to gather together under the uh, under the skin of of, uh, of Wilkes uh, really intriguing to see what happens to him next time but uh, but yeah great image really really cool um, really exciting to see what happens now actually going forward definitely and um, Derek have you got any notes any final notes uh, yeah one uh, one particular note uh, once again Sousa's dodging the question about his past in the military which is uh, which has always been a question of uh, of the um, the fans of Peggy Carter and, and Daniel Sousa getting together you know do we do we know really anything about his history in the army other than uh, he's came back with an injury when he's going to set up the gamma cannon Jack Thompson turns around to him and says I didn't realize you're your particular unit was involved in artillery and his answer straight away was it wasn't it's not 
It wasn't I was in the Navy or it wasn't I was in the Air, Co- Air Force. It's just it wasn't. No further information provided. So once again, we do still have the mystery behind Daniel Souza and whether he is possibly the future father of uh, of Peggy Carter's kids and grandkids, you know. Yeah. Uh, I like that they're keeping this a little bit um together for maybe a season three where we'll find out more about his past and whether he was involved in that rescue by Captain America. Yeah, or a deep undercover Russian operative. Maybe, maybe. The big twist in season it three. It could be the huge <laughs> unexpected twist yes. of season two where it turns out that his weapon is actually his cane and it's, there's something held inside it or something like that yeah 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 that would be that would be um a unexpected twist it would. In, in, indeed absolutely <laughs> right. i also want to give a huge shout out to roberto manfredi's mother i love that this man is a killer he's the leader of a crime syndicate crime family yes he still has to answer to his mother who doesn't like him changing up the family recipes <laughs> he adds a couple of cloves <laughs> of garlic i'd love to know italian because uh, i'd love to know what she actually says to him it's very much as if you know that's french cooking kind of thing that's not italian cooking what are you doing um you know i've got my eye on you uh, i love that uh, she calls peggy the devil she also takes out a knife on uh, on Daniel Souza <laughs> when she doesn't like what he's saying yeah. and threatening her son. Very, very protective Italian mother there. Really Absolutely. good. Absolutely. I love the comedy beat up uh, through the uh, kitchen window uh, <laughs> whilst he's explaining his new methods for, for the spaghetti bolognese with meatballs. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this really, really good. I must say that, that, that was, that certainly was very reminiscent of, of maybe earlier uh, in the season with, with this kind of slapstick silent beat up happening uh, in in the Italian restaurant through the the kitchen uh, door window yeah uh, really good yeah, yeah I, I I've just got one note on Manfredi as well actually it, it was um, a moment where he um, requests a kiss from um, from Whitney Frost actually and I felt it was very out of keeping with um, Whitney Frost but she she obliges with with the kiss and I actually think you know, he might be just simply being used as, um, as much as Calvin Chadwick was. I, to begin with, I thought that maybe Manfredi was to some extent her soulmate, that right. she really did prefer to be with him than say Chadwick, that Chadwick was a means to, a, to an end. Um, but here it felt like she didn't like that. The look on, on Whitney's face as he asks her, um, it seemed as though no, that's don't request this of me, but she obliges because mm. maybe she does have that soft spot. I thought it was a really interesting dynamic between the two because then later on, um, we see Manfredi really trying to tell Whitney Frost to stop covering up the fissure, uh, that this is beautiful on her. And she's kind of like, no, you're, you're messing. But for him, it's the power. He's in love with her power, mm-hmm. with the power and the idea of Whitney Frost in all of this. And I'm just wondering, is it, is it concrete all of this? Is Whitney Frost using him? Um, is he using her? I don't think so. I think he's genuinely in love. I think yeah. even Sousa calls that out, doesn't he? That he, that that Manfred is in love, and that's kind of his problem. Yeah, but I, I don't think Whitney is, and I, mm. I think some of the things that Manfredi is asking of her is still really old school, and I think she is moving on from that. Yeah. And in that moment where he asks her to uh, just give a kiss on the cheek it's like she hesitated yeah she gave a look that seemed to suggest this isn't inappropriate this is a bit demeaning for me mm-hmm. um 
but she goes ahead and does it anyway. So I'm wondering whether Manfredi um, is not long for this world, that he might turn like the rats into blackness. Aye, absolutely, yeah. No love lost there for me and, and Manfredi. I do like this particular episode because he does seem to be getting beaten down a little bit by his mother, uh, as well as, uh, as you say, when Whitney kind of turns him down for that kiss, even though she does go ahead and give it to him. Uh, part of that was obviously the timing as well. He, she's right in the middle of an experiment just before Jason Wilkes is about to disappear again, and he comes in with some information for her and tells her she must give him a kiss before he gets the information. It's like he's trying to be playful and couple-like and she's going, but I've got science here to do. There's science, there's important stuff. There's things that will that will change the future of the world uh, and it's in my hands, yet you're coming in and asking me to play the pretty little wife again, you know? Um, she definitely doesn't want that. Uh, I think we did get a comment on Twitter and unfortunately I'm really sorry I didn't take the actual tweet itself, but um, someone saying that they, they do kind of forgive Manfredi for uh, for his um, dealings with Whitney and the kind of person he is because of the love that he has for Whitney Frost, that he is genuinely in love with her and has been since they first met and now that she's a powerful woman he's finding it um even more attractive to be with her i believe was the, the kind of sentiment of the of the tweet and um, i kind of get that but it, it doesn't make me forgive the fact that he's you know he's a sexist he's misogynistic he's um he's a racist you know none of that makes me forgive any of that because he's in love with whitney frost you know absolutely you know? absolutely and i think that's why i i felt whitney in that moment where he asks her almost to do quite a submissive thing mm. is like, no, yes. this is not for me. But she goes ahead anyway with it. And I think it's because he's fulfilling a role that she needs at this moment in time. She needs some heavies on her side. And that's what Manfredi brings to the red and white checked Italian uh, restaurant tablecloth. <laughs> and on that note, uh, John, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? I do. I think this was a really good uh, episode again. I would definitely give this um, a solid four gamma cannons out of five. <laughs> um, this was really an interesting uh, episode. It had this whole love triangle develop between um, Sousa, Peggy uh, and Wilkes. We have uh, Whitney and Wilkes coming together. Um, this this contrast at the start, where you know Wilkes is saying this whole thing is a curse, whereas Whitney says it's a gift. And and sort of over time, you know, Whitney is telling him to listen, to concentrate, to open up and embrace this serial matter. Whereby at the end, it seems as though, um, whereas Peggy had a betrayal. Whitney is now being betrayed by the Zero Matter mm. and that it's chosen Wilkes for its grand purpose. What is it wanting? I mean, this is one of the big unknown questions which is starting to get revealed. As the title of the, the episode says, we are on the edge of the mystery and that mystery is hopefully solved over the next two episodes. What is this dark goo? What is Zero Matter? But I, I love that whole through line between Wilkes and Whitney here. As much as the the, the through line of Sousa, Peggy and Wilkes with the love triangle. Of course, then you have this amazing breadth of um, Jarvis from concern to happiness to anger across this one episode um, yeah. to the point where it's the first time he's disobeyed or it seems like he really is not paying any attention to Peggy Carter at all, whether as a friend, whether as a leader of the mission. He is taking matters into his own hand. That's a really nice uh, character change-up for, for, for Edwin Jarvis. And, and thankfully, as always, though, this show retains... L 
elements and lightness of touch about it. And this comes in the form of Aloysius Herbert Sambly and Rose again. Mm-hmm. Really um, good uh, to see all of that come together as well. And that's before we, you know, we have the storyline of Vernon and Jack as, w- and we have Anna waking up and surviving. I mean, this again is a really tight uh, episode, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Derek, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? I can't add anything more to that. I definitely defend this episode of Agent Carter. Really, really good one. Looking forward to cracking into the last two episodes. Uh, the mysteries that the that being at the edge of mystery left for us uh, here really are propelling me into the last two episodes of this season. Uh, really enjoyed the episode. One note I did forget to mention in my notes section is the film that uh, Whitney Frost starred in was called Journey into Mystery. And now this episode is also called Edge of Mystery. So nice little connection there with the character of Whitney Frost. Uh, but yes, loved it. Really, really enjoyed it. And looking forward to uh, to the last couple of episodes to go. I think with that, it's time to get into our feedback. Yeah, our feedback this week comes from Ronaldo. Uh, He says, hi, guys, what a great episode yet again. I'd have to say the main standout was Jarvis and his pain by Anna's bedside. The joy of her waking, then short-lived by the tragic news for them both, so heartbreaking. James Darcy puts in a grand performance to show his range has never been limited to just humour. His determination for Whitney Frost to pay for what she has done would rival any vigilante. Also, I was blindsided by Wilkes' turn of character to side with Whitney Frost. Didn't see it coming, but it makes perfect sense. When he pulled the gun on Peg, uh, although we all know she survives well into the future, the situation still made for great tension. I think the whole gun being pulled by Wilkes on Peggy um, in the back of the van um, and, and really using that that emotional tension between her and Sousa to get the information. It was hugely tense because you are not only worried about Peggy's uh, future, even though you know she lives, but you are going, what's Sousa going to say? It, it's, all, it's that tension, that dynamic between those two that Wilkes uses for his own ends and just the fact that he's just double-crossed them both mm-hmm. um, and has sided with with Whitney. Um, you're just going, what is going on here? Um, really, really good. And again, I have to say, I love the fact that he's able to either control himself or he's timed it to perfection to jump out the back of the van. I suspect he's learned to control his ability. Um, but yeah, absolutely love this and couldn't agree with you more about the range showed by James Darcy as Edwin Jarvis in, mm-hmm. in this uh, episode. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Ronaldo goes on to say, loving Manfredi and his unassuming Nana. Um, he also says uh, I wonder how and why the instructions came about for the gamma cannon was it really stark pretty convenient if it was then it would be the only bit of weak writing in the episode Uh, what we do know is that Stark's been off researching ways of curing um Jason Wilkes, uh, he went off to, uh, to visit a doctor friend of his who was off in the, uh, who was off in Nepal, uh, the last episode. That's where he's been for the last few episodes. So it was quite likely that he's come up with these plans. Now, it is amazing that it came in an hour before they were supposed to meet Whitney. That is, uh, that is quite, uh, quite a coincidence. But, um, but we do know that he's been off researching exactly these types of gadgets to cure Jason Wilkes. So hopefully that's where, where it's come from. I presume that's where it's come from. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see how it's dark before the end of the season so he can give the, that little tie up, uh, between, between what's been happening. Uh, Ronaldo goes on to say, also the mere mention of Gamma. What a great subtle reference. Love how the writers tie the MCU, MCTV you together. Uh, finally, Jack Tech Thompson got me thinking, such a flawed but genuinely noble sort of person. Could there be a connection between Jack and Flash Thompson of Spider-Man? Grandfather, maybe? That'd be good. 
Um, keep up the good work. Can't wait to see how Agent Carter plays out before we sink our teeth into Daredevil. Kind regards, Ronaldo. Uh, yeah, that'd be really interesting if Jack Thompson had a connection with the bully from uh, from the Spider-Man universe, Flash Thompson. You know, be kind of interesting to see. You know, if this if this show does develop or does jump into the future a bit, or if we see a cameo maybe of Jack Thompson in a future Marvel film, uh, or you know, a future mini-series of Agent Carter that he has a young grandson with him and that grandson is Flash Thompson who's been beating on Peter Parker in his spare time maybe <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean it was great to see Jack Thompson albeit for the second time cop on about um Peggy Carter yeah yeah really really good to see definitely well thanks very much for your feedback Ronaldo and everybody else that's been sending us feedback on Agent Carter over on Twitter yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, uh, Ronaldo, for all your input and for everyone else, as Derek says, who's provided input on Agent Carter. Remember, though, you can now provide input as well to Daredevil Season 2, not just Agent Carter Season 2. So there's double the fun for <laughs> everyone. Um, isn't that an advert, I think? <laughs> I think it is. Um, for it double e- mint, is it? It may have be. It may have be. It may be, yes. Um, I think really good time to be a fan of all things the marvel universe Mm -hmm. you know we're not that far out now as well from civil war uh, which has got so many little itsy bitsy things that might crop up whether it's um captain marvel whether it's doctor strange whether it's guardians of the galaxy 2 whatever your poison is from the marvel universe um i'm sure there will be some part of it uh, appearing over the course of the next few weeks months with daredevil season 2 agent carter and of course uh, captain america civil war all leading through to Doctor Strange in October, <laughs> late October 2016. I'm sure when Jeff Loeb and the team behind Marvel TV and Marvel Cinematic Universe got together to create the phrase, it's all connected, I'm sure they weren't saying it's all connected to Doctor Strange. But I am really looking forward to Doctor Strange, of course, as most of us are. Absolutely. Um, but provide all this lovely, juicy feedback that is coming in, flooding in, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Twitter, whether it be by email. If it's email, please send it into feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Just make sure that you list the show, the, the episode in the or subject the line, or, or the movie, or the comic character <laughs> in, in the subject title. If it's on Facebook, you are more than welcome to like our page, join our group, just search Defenders TV Podcast, and of course then on Twitter, we are tweeting away, like the Springbirds, um, at DefendersCast, uh, where on Thursday we will be tweeting about Agent Carter and everything else in between uh, Thursday at 10am for the next two weeks. 10am? <laughs> 10... <laughs> 9pm? Oh, it's all it's all merged into one now. There's so much podcasting, so many different shows. I'm surprised I've not said Gotham <laughs> or, or even like Flash or Arrow. I mean, we've got so many podcasts on the boil at the moment. But yes, we will be um, around 9pm every Thursday, at least for the next two weeks, whilst Agent Carter closes out its season two on Fox TV UK. That's right. Um, But any other time we'll be tweeting Agent Carter, Daredevil, 
anything connected to Marvel TV or Cinematic Universe. Yes, at Defenders Cast over on Twitter. Yes, really good of you to join us for this episode and hopefully you'll be back for the last two episodes of our Agent Carter coverage and episode three of Daredevil, which will also be coming out this week. Uh, if you want to make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast, you can subscribe again, as I mentioned, over on iTunes by going through our direct link at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, subscribe over there, leave us a review. Hopefully other people will pick up the podcast as they're listening. Uh, you can also subscribe in any good or evil podcast catcher by searching for Defenders TV Podcast. Uh, some of our favorites are Beyond Pod, Podcast Addicts, and the show is also available on Stitcher. Yeah, and also Player FM. Yeah. Yeah, so I think with that, I will say toodle pip. Um... <laughs> and thanks very much for listening. Bye now. Bye. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth Movie Show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.